Welcome back to the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And you are going to want to listen to this episode from start to finish because it is an incredible conversation that I have with Inner Circle member Karen. And I won't blabber on for too long, but Karen tells the story of when her husband was on the brink of death. Doctors were telling her that he had about a 10% chance of living, if that, and he did pull through, which is an amazing But she talks about how that experience shaped her relationship with food and how it actually caused her to have a very unhealthy relationship with food, how she ended up losing a lot of weight and being severely underweight and then going the other direction and becoming a little bit overweight and becoming pre-diabetic. And now she has a much healthier relationship with food and she talks all about how she was able to make that happen. We discuss a lot as well, including how she now has a goal to deadlift two times her body weight when before she didn't lift any weights at all because she had serious back pain. but now she hasn't had back pain in over a year. So with all that being said, listen to this whole episode. It is amazing. And that's it. I'm going to stop blabbering on. I hope you enjoy it. All right, Karen, we're live. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm doing very well. Thank you. I'm very excited about this. I know I know you said you were nervous, but just remember I am a short, bald, very nerdy dude. So there's <laughs> nothing to be nervous about. We're going to have a lot of fun, okay? Okay. <laughs> crazy out of my comfort zone, but I'm doing it anyway. So I love it. I lo- that's that's how we get better. That's what's what life is about. So so how about this? How about before we dive into everything, just do me a favor and and just tell me about yourself. Tell me about who you are, what do you do? And I, I did read your email, so I have all that, but just give me some more background information and I just want to hear it from you. Oh, okay. Uh there's not much to tell, but um I just turned 50 years old last month. Happy birthday. Thanks. Um, I've been married for 23 years. I've got two adult sons and I have a one-year-old grandbaby, which is the sweetest thing ever. And I'm really lucky that I get to spend a lot of time with her because I don't have to work right now and loving that. Well, congrats. That's amazing. Oh, thanks. (laughs) She's sweet as ever. And it's, it's like so different from having your own kids to being a grandparent. So yeah, yeah, I believe that. The worries of your own kids when they're the grandbaby and the mom and dad get to worry about that part. <laughs> None of the stress and all of the the happiness. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Well, good. Well, good. So, so talk to me. What's going on? Um. So I kind of wanted to um share just a little bit of my story and like what why I wanted to join the inner circle and like how that's going. Okay, perfect. Some of the struggles that I went through in the beginning and then how it's going now. I love that. I love that. So so let's do it. Tell me what's going on. Okay, so um, so the first time that I had any issues with um, probably weight and food was probably about probably about nine years ago. And um, sorry, I'm like super nervous, but it's totally fine. It's no issues whatsoever. Uh, for just, I want you to know, like, I know, for example, anytime I, I, when I, when I first started public speaking, I would get so nervous and like, I, you can actually see in videos that I would do. If you go to my YouTube channel and on YouTube, you can go start back from the, the oldest videos to the newest. You can sort them that way. If you go watch the, my old <laughs> YouTube videos, Oh my goodness, Karen, like you'll, I was swaying side to side and my face was bright red and I was so nervous. And, and I remember when I would first start doing public speaking in person, like 
I would think that my voice sounded weird and like yeah. I would think that what I was saying was making no sense, but it, it always was. And I promise like you're you're doing great and like it does it doesn't even sound like you're nervous. But for whatever it's worth, I like that you say it because sometimes when you say it out loud, it, it helps because it's not like you're trying to hide anything anymore. So uh right. you're, you're amazing. And just so you know, worse comes to worse. Like if you're like, hey, I would prefer that you not publish that, then I won't publish it and there's no issues at all. Okay. Okay, sounds good. Um, so okay, so the first time I really had any issues with like weight and food was probably about nine years ago, and it happened because my husband had a really really traumatic health issue that happened to him, and when it happened, it really kind of freaked me out about my family's health and mm -hmm. myself, and so. Um, and it wasn't just what happened to him, but it was also because um, we were eating really healthy. He was jogging at the time. Six months prior to that, he had had a complete cardiac workup done because he has health, you know, heart issues in his family. Everything okay. came back fine. It was great. <clears throat> so a couple of weeks after he turned 41, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what happened that day, just so you can kind of understand yes, how traumatic it was. So he had just turned 41 um, two weeks prior to this happening. So he took our son to school one day and come home. He was home about 10 minutes. And he said, you know, I really just don't feel well. And I said, well, what's going on? And he said, well, he said, my heart's just really racing. And he said, now my arms are starting to feel really weird. So I felt the pulse in his neck and I could tell that it wasn't beating like it should. Mm. So I said, okay. I said, we'll take you to the hospital, get you checked out, see how things are going. And um, so before I could get dressed, he had collapsed in the floor. And wow. Yeah. And he was still awake, but he just couldn't stand anymore. So I had to call the ambulance. I took him to the hospital. And um, he said, you know, the ambulance got him to the hospital. The ER doctor thought that he was having a heart attack, but. So when the cardiologist got down there, he checked the pulses in his legs because my husband's legs had gone numb and he didn't have any. There was no pulses in his legs. Wow. So they took him away. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry if I get emotional with this because I just realized that I don't actually talk to people about this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's an everyday part of our life. But I just realized I don't actually talk out loud to people about this. Yeah, so, I, I can't even imagine. So please don't feel bad about it at all. So they took him away and the doctor came to me and he said, you know, he said, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. He said, your husband is really, really sick. He said his aorta has dissected. <laughs> and I didn't really know what that meant. I knew it was bad, but I'd never heard of it before. So they had yeah, to kind of. I, I had never heard of that either before I read your email. Yeah. And so they had to explain to me what was going on with him. And. So essentially he was internally bleeding to death. <laughs> so, um, so they said, you know, they couldn't take care of him at that hospital. So they sent him to a bigger hospital. And my oldest son had met me there and we were walking out of the hospital and he, you know, and the cardiologist like actually ran down the hallway to find us. And he said, you guys know where you're going. And my son said, yeah, I know where the hospital is. And I asked him, I said, so is he going to be in surgery when we get there? And he paused for a few seconds and he said, if he makes it to the hospital, he has a chance. 
So we were like, oh, okay. So we get to the next hospital and it took about the fourth person that we got to to find him to tell us where he was. And they told us that he was in a room. So we automatically thought he didn't make it to the hospital because we didn't understand why he wasn't in surgery. Yeah. And so we get to the room and there was had to be at least probably 10 doctors and nurses in this room and the chaplain was in the room. And so the doctor, my son went over to talk to his dad and because he was still awake, but the doctor was talking to me. And again, this doctor says his surgeon, he's like, I have to tell you straight. He's this just, it doesn't look, this doesn't look good. And he said, I'm just going to tell you, he said, 80% of the people that had this happen to, they don't even make it to the hospital. He said, this is what we're looking at. He said, your husband's bowels, his kidneys are probably going to shut down. He said he's probably going to have a stroke and he's probably going to lose both of his legs because he hasn't had blood flow to his legs for so long. Oh, my God. And then he said and then he said, ultimately, he said he has about a 10 percent chance to make it through this surgery. And I was like, okay. so, you know, they let me talk to him before they took him away. And my husband had an IV in both of his necks, both of both sides of his neck, both of his arms. And he had an oxygen mask on. And he said, my husband said, take this off. And I said, no, you need it. And the nurse says, I looked at the nurse and she said, take it off. So I, cause they didn't think he was going to make it through. So I took the oxygen mask off and he said, my husband said, sorry. He said, I'm going to make it through this. He said, I'm coming back from this and then we're going to live life to the fullest. And I said, okay. So I put the mask <laughs> back on his face. And they took him away. And so long story short, but it was about 10 hours later, the doctor came out. He said, he said, you, he's made it through. He said, now we just kind of got to wait and see what happens. He said, but he said he has about another two hours worth of surgery because they're going to try to save his legs. So two hours later, that doctor comes out and he says, well, we've done what we could. He said, now we just kind of wait and see. So fast forward, all that stuff they said was going to happen to him never happened. Oh, my God. He did perfectly fine. He, I mean, it was a really long recovery, of course, and he had to learn to walk again and all this other stuff. And he does have, um, you know, he has scans every year and we do. And he has a smaller dissection lower down. So we do know he will eventually have to have another open heart surgery. But. It's been about nine years and he's doing really well. And if to see him today, you would never know that any of that ever happened to him. Oh my God. That is unbelievable. What a blessing. I'm so glad he's okay now. Yeah. And you know, and there's so much more to that story than so many people that were put in his path that day that, that helped him get through that. We found out like the doctor that operated on him was actually an active Marine and he just came back from duty the day he operated on our husband on my husband oh my goodness yeah so and the whole reason to telling you that story was because when that happened to him I kind of really freaked out about my family's health and I felt like I'd lost complete control of anything that had to do with our health because we thought we were doing everything right and you know he was healthy and he was jogging and had a clean bill of health from the cardiac doctor and then it was just all taken away, like we were doing all the right things. So because I felt like I lost all control, the only thing 
that I felt like I could do to help was by what I fed my family, even though what happened to him had nothing to do with food. Mm. That's the only way that I felt like I had any control over anything. That makes total sense. I get it. That makes total sense. Yeah. And it was, and I know this sounds crazy, but at the time I was like bound and determined to heal my husband's aorta. No one in my family was ever going to get sick again. And it, the only it way doesn't I could sound do, crazy. It sounds like you love your husband with all your heart and you wanted to do everything you possibly could to make sure he stayed healthy. <laughs> yeah. And so I literally like became like crazy with food. I started researching everything I could about food. Every minute, free minute I had, I was reading about food. I was looking up, you know, what were the healthiest foods to eat? What foods had the most nutrients? What did those nutrients do to your body? And but I was also looking up what were the most unhealthiest foods. What <laughs> do those do to your body? What should we eat? What shouldn't we eat? You know, and all that can be good to know about all the food and what you're eating when you're in the mindset that I was in. It wasn't such a good thing <laughs> <laughs> because I seriously became like this complete tyrant with food, and I, I tried to not to let my family eat anything that I didn't consider was a healthy food. And anytime anybody would eat anything that I considered wasn't healthy, I always had something to say. And I always was telling them how unhealthy it was and what it was doing to their body. And mm. which is really crazy because that's not my personality at all. <laughs> like I'm not overbearing. I'm not, you know, that type of person, but I became that person out of fear and feel into desperation to help them so so for quite a while I was like being crazy around food and wasn't letting any of them eat anything but I, over time I like realized how miserable I was making them and so and my poor husband like he had a long recovery from what happened and he suffers from PTSD because of what happened and here I was treating him like you know he's a three-year-old and telling him what he can <laughs> so so, but over time, I like realized what I was doing and how crazy it was for them, for me to be treating them that way. And just like, you know, when I started buying more fun foods for them to eat and stop saying things, but for myself, I think I actually got worse and I actually really started restricting foods and I cut out, you know, red meat was one of the first things. And that came because they, you know, because we had to see nutritionists for him. And that came because one of the things they said, they're like, oh, you guys are doing everything great. Sounds like you're eating really healthy. But, you know, just make sure, you know, he doesn't eat red meat more than once or twice a month. So to me, that just meant it was bad. Mm. And so I stopped eating red meat. I stopped eating any kinds of breads really like I didn't have bagels or bread or crackers like cereal was the devil like I wouldn't touch <laughs> cereal at all I didn't eat any kind of sweets at all not even for my birthday not for special occasions any of that any kind of sweet foods at all desserts because I had convinced myself that all those foods were literally poison and I was going to you know die of a heart attack if I ate these foods at all Yep. So I just didn't eat them. And so the first year that I was eating like that, um, I had my first checkup at the doctor and she's looking over everything. She's like, all oh, your numbers look great. You know, your blood work is great. Your blood pressure is great. Your cholesterol is great. You've lost a little weight. Everything's looking great. But how, what are you doing? <laughs> well, for me, I was just like, oh, I'm just eating really healthy, you know, 
I'm not trying to lose weight. I'm just eating healthy and the weight's just coming off. She's like, okay, everything sounds great. And she kind of <laughs> sends me on my way and says, see you next year. And I didn't tell her, you know, that I was afraid to eat food. I just said, I am just being really healthy. And so another year passed and I probably got even worse. And like, even though my family didn't really say anything to me, you know, about it, they could see what was happening and they would try to get me to eat things, but I would always refuse and I wouldn't eat if we went out to eat or whatever. I made sure I ordered all the healthiest things I could possibly think of, mm. of what I considered healthy. <laughs> and so the next year I eat like that, the next year I go into my doctor's appointment and she's just kind of reading over everything. And she's like, so she's like, I see you've lost a significant amount of weight since the last time I saw you. And I said, yeah, but, you know, I'm not trying to lose weight. And I wasn't. But I said, I'm just eating really healthy. I'm just, you know, it's just coming off. And she's like, all right. She goes, well, she goes, you're at the lowest end of the weight scale that I'd want you to be at. And I'm 5'7", and I weighed 110 pounds. Wow. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's very, very light. Yeah. And she's and I wasn't exercising or anything like that. It was just from what I was eating. And she said, so, you know, you're at the lowest end of the scale. And she said, right now, all your numbers look good. But she said, if you keep going the way you're going, you're going to get into trouble. And so that was like a punch in the gut to me, because the whole reason I was eating the way I was eating was to be healthy. And she's, and I, you know, again, I'm swearing, I'm like, I'm eating food, I'm eating, I swear I'm eating. And she goes, okay. She goes, well, she goes, if you're eating the way that you're supposed to, and you're losing this kind of weight, she says, something else is going on and we need to do more tests. Well, that scared the crap out of me because I was yeah. like, oh, crap. <laughs> That's not supposed to happen. So, so I go home and then she tells me, she goes, before we do more tests, she said, I want you to go home and I want you to count your calories for a week and I want you to find out where you're at. I was like, okay. And I never really counted calories before. It wasn't just wasn't something I ever did. So I was like, okay. So I went home, did what she said. First night I count the calories. I barely hit a thousand calories by the end of the day. Wow. Yeah. And she was so, and then of course I played it off because my husband's paying attention. I played it off and I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. I don't eat like this. This is just a fluke day. I don't eat this way. <laughs> so yeah. So the next day I do the same thing, count out my calories at the end of the day. I didn't even hit a thousand calories. Again, I play it off and I'm like, this is ridiculous. I don't want to eat this way. I don't know why this is coming up like this. This is not what I eat. You know, and my husband's just kind of looking at, cause they know. And he's just kind of like, mm -hmm, you know, and so I did that for an entire week and I never went over a thousand calories. Never. Jeez. Were you, were you really hungry? Did you like, I know you were eating a lot of, of, of what you considered healthy foods, but were you struggling with hunger at all? You know, I wasn't. And that's why I thought I was eating enough. I wasn't hungry, but I wasn't really active either at the time mm -hmm. because I wasn't working out or anything like that. And my main focus was just like getting my husband healthy and helping him with the PTSD and, you know, stuff like that. So, but the reason I wasn't hungry is because anytime I felt hungry is like, I would just eat a huge plate of raw vegetables mm. and snack on that all day. So while I was eating a big bulk of food, I wasn't eating very many calories. 
that makes total sense. You're filling up on, on the very low calorie, like, uh, like nutrient dense foods. And, and, and so you were able to stay fuller on those. Yeah. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, after I realized like what I was doing, you know, when I went back and talked to her and we talked to the doctor and we kind of, you know, she was telling me I was honest with her and telling her why, you know, I was afraid to eat because of what happened to him. Cause of course she knew, you know, she was his doctor too. And she knew what had happened to him. So she understood why I was doing what I was doing. So she kind of helped me, you know, start eating more foods. And at first it was really hard because I still didn't add back in foods. I just tried to eat more of what I was eating. And that wasn't really working either because I was eating a lot of fruits and vegetables and very little meat. And maybe like maybe a little bit of yogurt and smoothies and maybe a little bit of cheese, cottage cheese or something like that. So I had to eventually start adding back in foods that I didn't really want to eat. But, you know, I had to talk to her and she was telling me, it's okay. You know, you just don't live on bread, but you can eat it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and like desserts were the same thing. She goes, yeah, we all know that those foods aren't something you should eat, you know, constantly, but you can have it, (laughs) you know. So I slowly started adding in back more of those foods and um and I did end up gaining because I only really wanted to gain maybe about 20 pounds back. But over the next few years, I ended up gaining a little too much weight back, which wasn't horrible because I think I weighed around maybe 175 or something like that. But from 110 to 175, you know, that's 60 yeah. pounds, you know, yeah. so it was a quite a lot. Yeah. And so I ended up being diagnosed pre-diabetic at that time. Wow. And yeah. And everybody be like, how are you pre-diabetic? You're not even that big. But I was like, I don't know. My body just don't like it. I guess. I <laughs> so, so she told me, she said, you know, she says, this doesn't mean you're going to be diabetic. She goes, I know you're worried about your health, but this doesn't mean you're going to be diabetic. She said, you can fix this. She goes, there's a middle, middle ground and you can fix it. And so I ended up losing, because obviously I knew how to lose weight. So I ended up losing, I think it was like 20, 25 pounds within eight months. So, and that corrected the pre-diabetes and that's been fine since. Like I haven't had any more trouble with that. Amazing. So, and it was about that time is when I found you on Instagram. And then shortly after that is when I decided to join the inner circle. And, and how's it been going since then? Um, so actually really good. In the beginning, I had a few struggles. Um, so the reason I joined that wanted to join the inner circle is because I have a herniated disc in my back and it's been there, I think about 16 years or so. And over the years, you know, the pain's just gotten worse and, you know, and I started, I didn't get a whole lot of um, things to help me with it in the beginning. I got a whole lot of don't do this and don't do that, Mm. you know, those kinds of things instead of things to help. So over the years, it kind of got worse and I started walking more hunched over because it made my lower back feel better but then it made my upper back start having more pain because my posture was getting worse my shoulders were getting more rounded so in my hopes in joining the inner circle was to get stronger and to hopefully correct some of that and improve you know the pain that I was in and but at the same time my back was the reason I was kind of afraid to do the exercises because if you've ever known anybody that's had back issues, like significant back issues, it's not fun. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's devastating. Painful. It's devastating. It, it can take over your entire life. 
Yeah. So, and I was used to like every two or three months, something was happening to my back, like a significant pain, you know, where I was walking bent over or, you know, in a lot of pain and, you know, it was happening every few months. And so I was like, okay, so I got to try something. And I'd never been a part of any kind, never done any kind of structured training or workouts or anything like that. You know, the heaviest thing I had at home was like 15 pound dumbbells. And to me, that was a lot. <laughs> but <laughs> now I know it's not, but <laughs> and it was, it was funny. Like when I started going through the, the unicorn strong challenge, I was watching all the videos cause I'd never lifted heavy weights before. So I didn't know what a lot of stuff was. And I was watching the videos and, and I worked out at, at home, you know, the gyms were closed, which I would have worked out at home anyway. I'm just more comfortable there. And um, so I was having to figure out, you know, how to do some of the exercises, which is fine. But I came to the deadlift video and, and I just was like, this guy's crazy. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, normal everyday people don't do this. <laughs> and I seriously like I refused to do it like I was like nope my back's my back's bad enough I'm not even trying this I'm not doing a deadlift and I didn't like I refused even my, with my little 15 pound dumbbells I wouldn't do it like I'm like I'm not even doing that motion I'm not doing it and so my <laughs> husband my husband's like cracking up and I'm like why are you laughing it's not funny I'm not doing this he goes I don't know I'm just it's just funny and so I really didn't do a deadlift. I did this. Um, what is this? The uh, single leg RDLs. I would do those oh, with, the, with the dumbbell. So that's how I actually started out trying to do that motion was the single leg RDLs. And then it took about five months. I was done with the unicorn strong challenge and I'd gotten stronger through that. And so it was about five months though, before I actually picked up a barbell ever in my life. And my son, my oldest son played football through high school and he, you know, he's a couple years older than you. And so he's been lifting weights, you know, since he was a teenager and he was working out at his friend's house, you know, cause the gyms were closed. And I was like, Hey, can I crash your guys workout and just see if I can do a deadlift? And he's like, I yeah, love sure. that. That's amazing. <laughs> he's like, sure. Come on over. I'm like, I'm not going to work out with you. I just want to see if I can do it. And so I watched the deadlift video. I don't know how many times that day trying to make sure that I was going to do it right. But of course <laughs> I didn't. I do. But we went over there and they were like, okay, what do you want to lift? And I was like, well, I don't know. I know I can at least lift a hundred pounds. I said, I know I can do that because I knew from the unicorn strong that I'd gotten stronger. So they were like, okay. And they put it on the bar and I get intimidated very easily. And it sounds silly, even though it's my family, but I'm five, seven, my husband's six foot, my son's six, one, both of my, and my other son's six, one my, his friend is six foot tall. And then there's me and they're all like watching me. And I'm just like, this is weird. Like, <laughs> this is weird. Like I felt like this little mouse with all these men, even though they're my family and his friend we've known since, you know, they were just little, but it was just very strange to have them watching me, but they put a hundred pounds on the bar and I ended up picking it up and it was fine. And, you know, they tried to help me correct, you know, my form and stuff. And, you know, my, my mobility is not really that good. So it wasn't really that easy for me at first. And so I said, okay, so they put more on. So I said, I can do more and they put more on. I don't remember what that was. And, and so I picked that up and my son was like, okay, he goes, I think you're done. Cause they were like videoing me and stuff. And he was watching me and he got nervous cause he could see that my form wasn't right. 
and he didn't want me to get hurt because of my back. Yeah, he's like, yeah. no, no. He's like, I think you're, I think you're done. He goes, you probably shouldn't do anymore. I was like, well, I want to do one more. I said, let me do at least one more. And I said, it'll be fine. And so they put 140 pounds on the bar and I picked it up and I was so excited because for me to pick up that amount of weight and not get hurt was like crazy to me. And everything's insane. You picked up 140 pounds the first time you did it and you didn't, you didn't get hurt, but that's, that's unbelievable, Karen. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> well, it, it's all because I just did what you guys told me to do. And Susan helped me do like, she was like, I had a call with her and she was having me put dumbbells in a backpack, you know, because I didn't have any equipment and I put through dumbbells in a backpack and was doing squats with that. And I just got stronger up to that point. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> but I was like super excited because I picked it up and didn't get hurt. And from that day on, I was like, that's it. I'm hooked. And then now <laughs> it's like, it literally was a year this month that I did my very first deadlift and now i have a goal of lifting two times my body weight shut up that is yeah. a wait so so what's your what's your goal what what do you know what the weight that yeah. is well it'll be around 300 pounds like oh my god <laughs> and where are you right now well um so when i did deadlift domination in um i think i finished it like the end of december or something like that my one rep max was 250 Oh my God, Karen, that is insane. But like that, that day, that was like crazy for me because my husband, cause he videos all the heavy lifts just cause in case I get hurt, I want somebody in the basement with me. Like, I don't want to be stuck in the basement. So Smart. he comes down every time I lift heavy. And when I lifted the 250 pounds, he actually got emotional because it like clicked with him. Like because he's seen me in all that pain all those years and it clicked with him was like how much better it's going to be now than what we thought my life was going to be like within 10 years because it was getting worse and worse and now mm. it's not there and honestly I have not had any significant back pain in almost a year this spring oh, will be a year my back has really given me any trouble so that alone is like insane to me from going from having back issues, you know, every few months, like significant back issues every couple of months, you know, to now it's been almost a year and I haven't had any. And you're picking up 250 pounds. <laughs> okay. Well, I only did that one time. So that was only one time. I haven't picked it up since, but hopefully I mean, just, next Just month, the fact that yeah. you, you don't have any pain, but yeah. on top of it, I mean, it's just, your story is incredible. Like you're really extraordinary. <laughs> you you really are. I hope you know that. I mean, to yeah. go from, you know, I'm not going to do the deadlift. Nope. Not doing it. Not doing it. I'm not doing that. No way. <laughs> and like just doing it with like the, the single leg RDLs and then going to the barbell, like you've put yourself in some very uncomfortable and scary situations. And I, I, I'm really, really impressed with you. And I say that with every ounce of sincerity that I can possibly muster. I'm like, I'm so beyond impressed with you. I, and you really should be very proud of yourself. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for that. But it's, it's just, to me, it's just really funny because I'm doing stuff that I've never imagined I would ever do and actually like it. Like, like now deadlifts is one of my favorite exercises now. 
Yeah, so it's, it's the best. To me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's like really, really crazy to me to think that that's one of my favorites now when I never imagined and was like refusing. Nope, I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and and so do you have an idea of, do you have a timeline of when you'd like to hit 300 by or is it just when it happens, it happens? You know, probably just when it happens, it happens. Because um, I haven't picked up 250 pounds since, you know, I did deadlift domination and um, I'm going to, I hope I'm going to try to do next month to try to do another, um, you know, one rep max and see where I'm at and see how that goes. But I don't really have a timeline, but I'm going to do it. I know I'm going to do it. <laughs> I love that. And I, I know you are as well. That is for sure. And I think having that, that mindset is the best way to go about it. You know, a lot of people, once they start testing their one rep max, they do it all the time and all the time and all the time. And that's actually when they end up hurting their back because they're doing it too often. They're lifting too heavy. They're letting their technique get sloppy. I think you're handling this very smart. And, and again, keeping the main goal of strong, healthy, pain-free back. And if you end <laughs> up, you know, that that's the number one priority, right? So, I mean, for you to be yeah. here at this point, I'm just, you're, you're incredible. I'm really, really blown away. Well, I'll thank you for that. <laughs> it's, it's It hasn't been without its struggles, you know? And it's funny, like, I was thinking too, like, when I post, like, posting videos is very scary to me because I, I don't like people watching me. And, you know, <laughs> but the whole reason you post videos is for people to watch you and so you can get better. And, and it's funny, like, the videos I post, like, it's like, yay, great, I made it, you know, but they don't see me in my basement having panic attacks when I first try to do it and have to walk away from the bar and come back because I get, I get in my head so much and think, oh my gosh, all these people are going to see me doing this. And I have to like walk away and come back and, you know, and then do it. It's not always like sunshine and roses, but in the end it comes out well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your story is very inspiring and Karen, for whatever it's worth, I really appreciate you giving the background info as to, you know, everything that happened with your husband and then everything that happened with you as a result of it. I think, you know, many people, if they had a similar story, they might've just started with, with the issues, with the struggles, but not give the backstory and, and your story is what makes this so inspiring it makes you so inspiring because of everything that you've struggled with everything that you've gone through uh it makes you so much more relatable and and you give so much more context to your life and who you are and, and i like i'm beyond inspired just from hearing what you've said today i i really I'm almost, I'm basically speechless. I'm, I'm really, really, really <laughs> impressed. And I consider myself very lucky to, to, to have this conversation with you. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, it's not easy to talk about. It was funny when I started talking to you about that. I just realized that I don't really talk to people about that part of our lives. It just is what it is. And it like brought back a lot of emotion. I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can get through this, but I'm glad I did though, but I'm glad. But well, let me, let, there are a couple things I'd like to ask you. Um, mm -hmm. the, f the first is, is there anything else that, that you'd like to discuss today? Any, any, an, another part of your story or, or, or where you are now? Is there any message you'd like to get across to someone listening? Maybe someone who's struggling with, with either getting started or is there anything you'd like to, to help people with or get across? Um, you know, I mean, probably, I mean, for me, the biggest thing was 
um, working through all the fears that I had, you know, with the pain of my back and just putting myself out there and just doing it, being afraid and doing it anyway. Um, that was like my biggest thing. And even like when I, I started with the inner circle, I was, I didn't realize it, but I was still having um, food issues. I was still having those thoughts about food that I, I didn't realize I was still having. Um, cause it, I really didn't realize that until I started paying attention to the food, you know, cause I was writing everything down with the unicorn strong challenge and the calories were fine. Like that didn't, wasn't hard at all. But when I tried to get in the protein for myself, like all those fears of all those unhealthy foods, well, what I thought was unhealthy for me mm. came back and you know, and I started because it sounded simple. It sounded like, okay, just add, you know, because I was maybe getting like 40 to 50 grams of protein. And I was like, I don't know how, how I'm going to do this. So, <laughs> so it sounded easy, you know, just you eat four ounces of chicken, you add six, you know, you have one serving of yogurt, you have two, you know, cottage cheese, same thing. But those were all the foods that I didn't eat a lot of. So it was really hard for me. And I started adding all those foods in and I started hating eating again. Like I was starting to have a lot of anxiety around my food again. And one day we were having dinner and I literally was holding back tears. And I was just looking at my plate because I hadn't got in on my protein that I needed. So I needed more at the end of the day. And my husband's like, what's going on? Why, why, why are you upset? And I just, I'm like, I can't eat. I, I can't eat this. He said, what do you mean you can't eat it? I said, I just can't eat it. And so, you know, we got through dinner and everything. And then what I had to end up doing, because I didn't want to eat all that meat. And I just, I sat down with a notebook and I was like, okay, they didn't tell me I have to eat six to eight ounces of meat. They told me they suggest that I eat more protein. So what I had to do, I wrote down everything that I ate, you know, on a regular basis. I made a list of everything I ate and wrote down all the protein that was in one serving of everything that I ate. And I didn't care if it was 0.5 grams of protein or 30 grams of protein. I wrote it down. And so when I started going to make my meals, that's what I started with. I started with a protein that was the highest protein. And then I would add a smaller thing on the side that would boost the protein. Like if I ate, say I ate eggs for lunch and I would eat a couple eggs, but then I would add a side of cottage cheese. Or if I was having four ounces of chicken for dinner, I would have a salad that I added a little bit of cheese and some edamame to so that it would boost mm. the protein. But I didn't feel like I was eating unhealthy that way. And I don't know why my brain go goes to that to where four ounces of chicken is fine, but six ounces of chicken is unhealthy. So when I kept all the portions of all the food small in my brain, it made it healthy again. I know that sounds crazy, but it doesn't it sound crazy. It doesn't. <laughs> and, and you know, it's funny if you had said that without the backstory that you explained throughout this call, I would say, yeah, that sounds a little bit crazy. But <laughs> with the backstory, no, it, it doesn't sound crazy at all. It, it makes all of the sense in the world. And, and that's actually it brings up a great point where. I think as humans, we're very quick to judge people based on one action that we see from them. But when we learn about that human story and what they've gone through, it it's like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. 
and, and so it's it's not crazy. It doesn't sound crazy. It makes all the sense in the world. And how are you doing with it now? Do you, do you feel like you have a better relationship with food? Do you still have that those same thoughts? Um, I'm doing much better, much better than I was. I do, and I eat everything. There's not anything that I restrict anymore. Um, but I have noticed that when I eat desserts, there's still that little thought in the back of my head, like, hmm, you know, is that unhealthy? Should I have eaten that? But I'm, it's easier for me to like push that aside now than it was, you know, cause I don't eat like that very often. It usually is for special occasions or things like that. Or if we want, you know, something sweet, we don't keep that stuff in our house. Mm. So if we want it, we go get it, you know, so it's not often that I eat it, but there are still those times where it'll creep up and it'll be like, oh, should you have really eaten that? You know, what did that do to you? You know, but I am able to push it aside, you know, quicker now than I did then. And and you even once you push it aside, you you still you can still eat them, right? It's not like you sit there and you refuse to eat it or you you're so scared of it that you don't like you might have the thought, but then you push it aside and you can and you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not like I'm like forcing myself to eat it because, you know, you can have this. It's like I actually enjoy having desserts now. It just I just don't do it very often. You've come incredibly far, like incredibly, incredibly far. And, and the fact that now you're at a point where you can enjoy it during on a special occasion is amazing. And and there's no re- like you don't have to eat dessert every night. You know, it's like you don't you're not required to. Um, I think from what you've said, it sounds like you've come an incredibly long way. You you have a much healthier relationship with food. Is there anything with your food that like do you is there anything that you see that should be changed that you want to improve anymore? Or do you think that where you are right now is you're comfortable with it and this is where you'd like to stay? Um, I think I'm comfortable now. I really do think I've found a middle ground with food. Um, you know, like I say, I still do have those slight, you know, thoughts that come back, but you know, I don't restrict anything anymore. So I think that I'm doing really good now. I, I agree. I think you're doing great. And, you know, for, for some people, you know, they, they can have a very healthy relationship with food and they can have dessert on, on a daily basis. And for other people, they don't. And and I don't think either one is necessarily right or wrong. I think it's finding what works best for you. And just from the way that you speak and, and everything you've said, I, I'm just I think you're doing incredible. I really, really do. And the fact that you're not restricting yourself, you're not guilting yourself. Having those thoughts is normal, right? The, the thought is is normal to have. And when you tell someone not to think a certain way, it actually has the opposite effect. If I say, don't think about a white elephant, right. all you're going to do is think about a white <laughs> right. elephant. But it, the right. fact that you can objectively see that thought, recognize it for what it is, and then push it aside and then enjoy yourself, that is is what's incredible. And that's what shows so much progress in a positive way. It's just, it's extraordinary. You are really one of a kind, Karen. I mean that. Oh, geez. <laughs> I don't know I about that, but thank you. <laughs> I mean it. And, and I have to ask, because I, I know we said at the beginning, uh, I said, if you don't want me to publish this, I won't. I'm going to ask for your permission. And if you say, hey, Jordan, I don't want you publishing this, I won't. Would you allow me to publish this just because I think there are going to be many people who are blown away and inspired by you? Would it be okay if I do publish this? Yeah, I'm okay with you publishing it. I probably won't listen to it, but <laughs> you can publish it for other people to hear. <laughs> I, I, okay, I will definitely publish it because I think people are going to really appreciate you being so open and, and candid and honest and vulnerable. The other question I have, and you do not have to agree at all. Um, okay. Do you, 
would you be if you have social media accounts, would you want to share your account so people who listen, if they want to message you, uh, they can, or would you prefer to stay private? Either one is totally fine. Um, you know, I really don't. I am such a boring person. I really don't have anything <laughs> like okay. that. That's totally but, fine. Um, um, I do have Instagram, but it's only to follow people. I've never made one post. I don't even know what my name is on there. <laughs> but um, so, um, but for the inner circle people, the inner circle people know me as Carly in the on the Facebook Facebook group. So if any of those people would like to talk to me, that would be fine. But I really don't have anything that anybody could really get in touch with me for. Okay. Well, well, I'm definitely going to be publishing this and, um, everyone in the inner circle, they, they know who you are. Um, is there, is there anything else that you would like to talk about? Is there anything that I can help with? I, I I'm just sitting here jaw dropped, so blown away and very happy that, and consider myself blessed that you were willing to hop on and talk to me about this. Is there anything I can help you with? Or is there anything else you'd like to chat about? Um, if you, I mean, if you have time, I do have a couple of questions about my training. If you, if you have time. I have all the time in the world. Um. So, okay. So a couple of things, like um, I think I need help with balancing my cardio with my workouts um, because I've noticed on like my lower body days and my um, full body days, like my legs are getting more tired than I think that they should. Okay. Um. So what I do for cardio, I, cause it's winter time, summertime, you know, when it's nice out, it changes. But right now I ride a stationary bike and I do 40 to 60 minutes, six days a week. I do, um, you know, 15 to 25 miles, six days. And, um, so my bike has the resistance from one to 25 and I usually do between 18 and 21 for the, the that amount of time. So, but I'm thinking I need to lower that on the days that I'm doing the full body or lower body days. Yeah. Should I, um, I don't know how to ask, should I lower the intensity and do the same amount of time or shorten the time and do the same amount of intensity or does it matter or? It, it's a, wow, that's a phenomenal question. I, it's a phenomenal question and it does matter. And I would absolutely lower the intensity and keep the same amount of time. Um, the, when we look at heart health and I've been speaking a lot about this with the zone two cardio and everything, but when we look at heart health there, it, it actually is, uh, we see greater benefits with uh, ideally about 120 minutes a week or so, which you're, you're easily getting of some lower intensity cardio. And so I would, I would rather you lower the intensity. It's probably going to feel frankly too easy. You're going to be like, what is the point of this? But there's so much benefit to it. I want you to, I want you to be able to relax. I want you to enjoy it. Whether it's you want to get on the phone with a friend and talk to someone or watch a, a TV show or listen to a podcast, or I want you to enjoy the ride rather than, than having to be too high intensity. I'd like you to really have fun with it. And so reduce the intensity, keep the same amount of time for the heart health benefits. Uh, and, and yeah, I think that's going to be much better and you're going to feel better with your lower body and full body lifting as well. Okay. So is two days a week doing that? Is that okay? Oh, Just absolutely. Doing the two days? Okay. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And the other days I can keep the same and then have one day completely off. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. And I know because you said that it sounds too easy. I actually tried today. I made myself do less today and I rode for 30 minutes and only went 10 miles. And I literally got off the bike and was like, 
I don't feel like I did anything. <laughs> like I was so bummed. Like I was like, this is going to be hard. <laughs> that That's what zone two feels like for me, where it's just like, I do, I'll do it for 45 to an hour. And I'm just like, that felt like almost nothing where it's just, it's so simple, but it, the research around it has, that's why I'm going so hard on it right now because the research has blown me away. It's, okay. it doesn't feel like much. It really yeah. doesn't, but it's, it's slightly more intense than just walking. It's slightly more intense than just like going like strolling, but, uh, it, it right. doesn't take the stress. It doesn't put the stress on your body that, higher intensity sprinting or running will do. So it's a really good mix of, of the best of both worlds without the, the extra stress. Okay, okay, sounds great. So the other question I had was, I just really realized I don't wanna ask you this question. I just got really <laughs> nervous and I don't wanna ask, but it's because I know I'm doing something wrong and I don't wanna tell you. So, so the other thing I have problems with is I have never purposely taken a deload week on my own, like, okay. I know I'm supposed to, I know why I'm supposed to, but every time I work out, I always push as hard as I can. <laughs> every time I go, because I feel like it's like, I don't want to half-ass the workouts. And I think if I can do it, why, why shouldn't I do it? And I keep pushing until eventually my body's just like, screw you, I'm not doing that. And then I can't. So I'd really yep. like to stop doing that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's there's like different types of people, right? Different types of people in the gym. There, there are the some people who they really struggle just to work out at all. They just like they struggle just to get to the gym. They they, just, they don't want to. Then there are other people, like like actually, you know, I'm very similar to you. Where if I'm going to go to the gym, like I my gut instinct is go hard. That's my natural response, and I've had to train myself not to do that all the time. And the reason I've I've been able to train myself is because I've gone through enough, whether it's injuries or burnout or whatever, to where it's like, all right, I've gotten my ass beat so many times now. <laughs> like I know what I want to avoid and I'll tell you what I would like you to do. But the reality is nothing I can say is going to force you to do it in the same way. Nothing I can say is going to force someone to go to the gym. Okay. Sometimes it just takes going through some pain in order to realize, all right, this is actually what I need to do. But I mean, that the as you know in the inner circle programs, the first week of every program is a is a is a deload week, and it's because it's a new program. It's like new exercises. You're going to be really sore from it anyway. So what I would really like you to do is for every exercise, the first week of the program is whatever you think you're going, you can use for the weight on the first, just for the first week, reduce it by about five to 10%, right? Okay. So just, and you can still go hard, but just for that first week, reduce the, like, I don't care if it's dumbbell rows. I don't care if it's deadlifts. I don't care if it's squats. I don't care if whatever it is, obviously body weight stuff, you can go as hard as you want, but for anything weighted, I would like you to reduce it by about five to 10% on just on the first week. And it okay. might not seem like much, but when you add up the total percent, the total poundage that you'll remove from your body just from that first week, it really does add up to a significant amount of stress. Cause that's really what strength training is. It's another stressor on your body. And if you continually add a maximal amount of stress without any reprieve, you're setting yourself up for a real issue, whether it's mentally, emotionally, physically, all of it combined. It's mm -hmm. you. So that's where the deloads come in. And 
that's why I don't like having deloads on the last week of a program because on the last week of the program, I'm like, I want to go hard. Like I just spent four weeks building up to this. I want to show what I, what I've built in these last four weeks. So for the first week, whatever you think you can do, reduce it by about five to 10% and then build up over the next three weeks. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks. Is that a Thanks. fair deal? Yep. Yep. I can do that. Okay. I, I will have to make myself do it, but I can do it. <laughs> Uh, and for whatever it's worth, like I, I have to make myself do it. And sometimes <laughs> I don't listen to my own rules. Sometimes I don't practice what I preach and I go hard and then I regret it. And so it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, sometimes you're just going to have to go through the pain and, and then regret it and be like, all right, well now I'll start listening. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I do have one more question, but this question is for you, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. For you. So because I tend to like stress about everything and everything makes me nervous and and that kind of stuff. So I was just really wondering, like, do you feel any kind of stress or pressure because so many people follow you and look up to you and follow your advice? And if you do, like, how do you deal with that? It's a great question. And yes, there is definitely stress and pressure from it. I would say there used to be a lot more. Um, and. and when I say that, what I mean by it, I, I used to have real anxiety, like real anxiety for several years as my audience grew and grew and grew. As I started to realize the impact of what it meant to have that many people following and uh, knowing who you are and watching your every move. And um, especially as I would say the world became much more politically charged over the last mm -hmm. few years. Oh, it was it was so stress stress producing and anxiety producing. Um, but I would say probably over the last year and a half, two years, I got to a point where I've been able to manage it so much better as my priorities have shifted and as I've become more okay with just saying what I believe. And what I realized was a lot of the anxiety that I was having around social media came from me hiding who I was, right? It, it came from me not being fully open and honest about my thoughts and beliefs. And, and frankly, like I don't share every single thought and belief that I have. I don't. And so right. still a little bit, a little bit of it is still there. But, um, for example, I recently went on my first ever hunting trip and I never would have shared that ever before before uh this at this point in my life if i had done that two or three years ago i would have been hiding it i would have been so scared of what people thought like it absolutely not but me sharing about that openly and discussing it and being okay with some people not being okay with it has allowed me to handle that stress much better because before like it's human nature to want people to like you. It's human nature to to not want people to be upset with you or speaking poorly about you. But the more you try and 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 mold yourself to be something that you're not just to please other people, the more stress and anxiety you end up having. And I was having really bad anxiety. It was it was really really bad. It was like I couldn't sleep at night. It was taking over all of my thoughts, all of my waking moments. And I would say for the last about year and a half, two years. It literally, and I, because I spoke with a therapist about it. That was actually one of the reasons why I started uh, doing therapy. And I haven't done therapy in about a year now because I haven't needed it, but I'm a huge proponent of it. And I would talk to my therapist. His name was Jesse. And it literally just came down to me being more okay sharing about what I actually believe. 
and uh, and that's what's helped me a lot. But I mean, long roundabout answer to your question is yes, I feel it. Yes, it's yes. there. But I've m- figured out ways to manage it simply by saying what I believe to be true. Wow, that's awesome. That's so awesome. I, I thank you for asking. I think it's a, it's a great question. I, I hope I answered it in a way that was that was uh, that made sense. Uh, yes. But yeah, that that's how I handle it. Definitely, definitely. But um, so I won't I won't keep talking and keep you any longer. But I just wanted to say again, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I hope you know, like how grateful I am for you and Susan and everyone in the inner circle and how much it is truly changing my life for the better and the outcome that what my life is going to look like in ten years is so much different than it was going to be before I joined. So I will forever, ever be grateful for you guys. Well, thank you. Susan and I speak so highly of you. We talk about you regularly and we love you (laughs) and we appreciate you. Seriously, we do. And, uh, and thank you for taking the time to to hop on and speak with me. I I mean, like I very much, it was, it was a blessing that we got on to talk and thank you for being open and willing to share your story. And I really do appreciate you So thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Jordan. Have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. That wraps it up for this episode of the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Karen, thank you so much for coming on and telling your story. And everyone listening, thank you so much for listening. If you would like to join the Inner Circle, you can do that at the link in the show notes or www.sfinnercircle.com. Have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you soon.